Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Gill, and of course, Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer, where we like to sit down, try a bottle of red wine, and then compare that bottle of red wine to a player, past or present. Mark, I'm fed up, to be honest. We've got to talk, I'm fed up. COVID's getting me down, man. One in 20 people in London. One in 20. That's insane. Yeah, no, I heard that as well. Um, and I said this to my wife the other day and she was just like, wow, didn't realize it was that many. But yeah, it's incredible how it's, um, how it's mutated, how it's uh, spreading now. And they're talking about us going into even a, a more stricter lockdown. How's that even possible? What, what would even, yeah, what would that mean? Like, I don't, I, don't, I honestly don't leave don't your bedroom. <laughs> I think we're all going to be chipped. No yeah, one's yeah. allowed to move anywhere. Well, it's funny you should bring this up. Now, we'll get to it a bit later on, but I've got a new feature that I want to bring in uh, today that might cover off for some of these points that we're talking about here. So hold your breath on that because uh, there'll be some good topics to discuss a little bit later on. But it's all about the wine and then it's all about the football. So let's go through some of the wine we're trying today. I've gone, you know what, because I'm in this, I'm just in a horrible mood because of the whole one in 20 situation. I've just gone to, you know, the local Tesco. I've walked in, I've gone bang. Uh, the Di- Del Diablo, you know the, the yes, the, I do know. The, it. Yeah, I do just know. Like it. right, grab it, eight pounds, get in, get out. I'm I'm done. So look, it's a good Merlot, nice and smooth, medium bodied. Certainly nothing that you, you're not going to write home about it. You're not going to put it in your diary as one of the great wines that you've tried. But it's it, it's tried and tested. I like it, and uh, it should just be a. It's not going to let me down. You know, while I'm in this mood. I'm surprised actually you've gone for a Merlot. I would have thought you would have gone for a real, like a real heavy Shiraz or something like that, because that is your yeah. favorite thing, your go-to. It's almost like your mother's milk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's for you to, uh, you know, when you're feeling a bit down, a bit, you know, a bit of a lift up, you go to something that you feel safe with. Speaking of the mother's going. milk, I'm going to have to send the mother's milk to you because it's still sitting here. We're clearly not going to be able to have one together, are we? <laughs> I know, not for some time anyway yet, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. Well, in, on that note, I've gone for a, another Portuguese wine. Okay. So I've gone for a Porta 6 2019 Lisbon. Um, it is, um, it's, a, it's, a re, it's a real fruit bomb and it's Ooh. bold, juicy, jammy. It's chock full of ripe forest fruit flavors. Really easy drinking, approachable wine. Um, and you'll probably even complain that it's too approachable and too easy to drink. Okay, Mark, let's get stuck into the football. Now, you know how it's a bit of an unspoken rule here on the Two Shot Reds that we try not to talk about things like VAR too much? It's like, oh, same old, same old. We've done well not to talk about COVID too much, but I want to talk about it now because it gets to the point where you're thinking, at what point do we pull the pin? Do you, do you think that it's a legitimate... I mean, we've learnt that Spurs will now play Fulham on Wednesday 
um, after the fixture reshuffle uh, from the, the Tottenham uh, Aston Villa game. Um, I think then Fulham will then play Chelsea on Friday, I believe. No, Saturday. Um, so it's Saturday. moved to Saturday now. So they were supposed to play on the Friday night and they've moved it now to the Saturday because they're playing on the Wednesday. Is, is it just not getting to that point where it's starting to become very difficult? Now, listen, I, firstly, the whole manoeuvring of fixtures, moving around and all that sort of stuff, they have to be adaptable. It, yep. it, they can do it at short notice now. There's no fans. There's no worrying about, okay, what are the ramifications of tens of thousands of people traveling? That doesn't come into play anymore. So the, sim- the simple side of things of moving fixtures around, I think that's pretty straightforward these days. Obviously, TV has a say, but probably in this instance, they had very little say because of the reasons of being COVID and so forth. Um, talking about COVID and about, you know, the protocols that are in place. I think football's done a, a fantastic job up to a point. So up until probably about two weeks ago, they were doing a fantastic job at keeping the numbers low, very few infections. Um, you know, we had that outbreak a little while ago with Newcastle, but it seemed to have been dealt with pretty well. Um, even though it was pretty bad within the club and there's still a couple of players who are suffering from it. And let's hope they make a speedy recovery. Um, but since then, we've kind of had the Christmas period, New Year's Christmas period. And what actually happens so often, and I've had it throughout my whole career, you get, everyone gets labelled with the same description as a footballer. And if there's a select few of footballers who step out of line, no matter what it is, we generally all get named the same thing. There you go again, typical footballers, spoiled this and that, live in a different planet, blah, blah, blah. They're all the same. They're all stupid. They're all this, they're all that. And I think that's really unfair because I think the vast majority of guys, even in general, do the right thing, are really good professionals, work hard and try and make the most out of their careers. There's always a handful that don't and they spoil it and give everyone else a bad name. And the same thing's happening with COVID we've had a period of time whereby people have been under, you know, strict restrictions, conditions, footballers have to live a, a restricted life to such a large degree anyway, because of the profession that you're in. And, and I'm not begrudging it and I'm not bemoaning it and I'm not having a problem with that. That's what we chose to do and we want to do it. And you, you take the good with the bad, get paid an awful lot of money for it. And you should, you, you should also be held accountable for your actions. I totally agree, but don't, don't label everyone with the same name, right? So, but what's happened recently is, you know, again, they've stepped out of line, become complacent, maybe let their guard down because of the, the length of time that's gone on for now that people have been restri- having, having restrictions. Christmas time, obviously, has been a, a really tough time for everyone. And unfortunately, there's, you know, there's been a, a quite a large number of, of, of footballers who broke regulations and need to be held accountable for it that doesn't mean that every other footballer has done the same because they haven't but what needs to happen now is because we've had such high numbers now of players and football people within the football community have have uh, fallen come fallen ill of, of covid a lot of that was preventable and it's only through poor decision making from a select few of individuals that have had larger greater consequences we all want football to continue or the vast majority of people want football to continue it's an outlet it's an opportunity for people to be distracted a little bit with the current state of play that's going on around the world i believe i don't believe they should be given any other sort of special treatment but they have to 
what they have to do is they have to be go above and beyond the expectation. If we want football to continue, if they want to be in this privileged position, people have to make serious sacrifices, which the vast majority are, but a select few are not. So now it's time for the authorities, for the clubs to come down really hard on people that step out of line. They need to be told. This is unacceptable. We all want, we all need, we all desperate for football to continue, but they've got to pull their head in and they've got to get back in line and they've got to think of the greater the greater good. They've got to think of the, the, great, the situation that's happening around the world and see again, even more so in this time, what a privileged position athletes in particular at this moment and footballers are in. And they, they shouldn't and, and can't be allowed to take advantage of it, to let that slip. They've got to continue to shine a light, lead by example, and, and not take for granted the privileged situation they're in. So one uh, theory that's been floating around now, to, you know, an idea to try and keep the football in, in action uh, was, I don't know if you heard the comments from Sean Dyche, who, who straight away said, you know, look, I'm not saying that footballers needed special privilege because they are the last people that need, need this. But the idea of prioritising vaccination for footballers so the league can then continue and then a portion of the money that's made because the league has been able to continue, then gets put back into the NHS. What are your thoughts on that? It would certainly ruffle a few feathers that, you know, they're prioritising, you know, fit 25-year-old athletes to be vaccinated, uh, you know, before the vulnerable. But there's a, there's a good theory there. Um, listen, there's going to be an enormous amount of uh, resistance to that suggestion. And, and, and I also understand it. And there is a very valid point to say, no chance. And I actually believe that they can go up the line a little bit, mm-hmm. but not right now. The vulnerable, the elderly, the, the unwell, the, the people on the front line, you know, the medical staff, the police, all those different organizations should be prioritized before any athlete gets an opportunity to have a vaccination. Um, footballers, football the game itself has had a system in place that has been effective, has worked. It just needs to be tightened. It also needs, there needs to be uh, very clear messages to the players, to the staff, to the football in general, that they need to adhere to the restrictions. And if they don't, there's serious consequences for those who don't. Um, I don't think they should necessarily jump the queue right now. No, I think football it's important that it continues, but more importantly is to save life and the vulnerable and the elderly, the vulnerable, the, the ill, um, anybody who's vulnerable to this, this horrendous um, uh, virus needs to be protected first and foremost. Mark, let's, let's talk actual football now. Um, wild weekend. Wild weekend of the FA Cup. Uh, I mean, you know, aside from that, I saw my boys' crew, you know, they had a 3-0 lead against Rochdale at halftime away from home. They end up drawing 3 all. You know, it was, it was a wild weekend and I couldn't pick what was going to happen next. There's so much that we, we could talk about. Um, two games in particular, though, I think sort of caught the, the imagination of people. Um, Derby, the, now they lost to Chorley. Now, do you know anything about Chorley? Well, I know they're a non-league football team. Yeah. Um, on an on a extremely small budget. Yep. And should have no right 
let's be honest, in, 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 like from a professional perspective and a level of football that they play and the quality of footballers that they have and trying not to be disrespectful towards Charlie, they shouldn't be beating Derby County. No. However, that's the magic of the FA Cup. And if you mm. underestimate your opponent, if you necessarily say they disrespected them, Derby, but by, by virtue of the team that they picked, it, to me, either there, there were two things of it, two elements of it. They're either gone, you know what? The FA Cup for us is not important. And it's a game that we have to fulfill, but we don't necessarily, it's more of an inconvenience than anything else. So therefore they send a team that they just want to fulfill the fixture. And if they do well, then what a bonus. And if they don't, then fine, we're out of the competition that we don't really want to be involved in at this particular moment in time, which is then Chorley's advantage and it's their win mm. and they thoroughly deserved it. And it's fantastic to see them through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. I just, I'd wished like everyone else that fans were able to come back because the FA Cup, it's difficult for people to understand unless you've been to an FA fixture, FA Cup fixture and understanding the magic of lower league teams playing against the, you know, the, the far superior teams on paper, uh, wage budget, everything else and have no right to beat them really on paper. But Mm. the magic of the FA Cup takes place and, like I said, teams underestimate them. Teams take them for granted. They just go out and go, well, we're just going to turn up and win the game almost. Players are disgruntled that they have to go and play a game against a, low, a lower le- league team when a lot of the first team players are rested um, and they're, they're putting a team together that has hardly played any football together and it's a tough fixture. But they still should be winning them. So yeah. ha- hats off to, to Chorley. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely love to see them go through, as with Crawley beating Leeds United. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, Leeds United, for me, reeked of a club that didn't want to be in this game, in this competition. Felt that, you know what, their priority, and I, I, and I also get it, Leeds United's priority is to stay in the Premier League. That yeah. is their number one priority. So they have prioritised that over anything else. And so in the end that advantage then falls to Crawley Town and they took advantage. They took that, they took that, uh, that olive branch that was handed out to them and they made Leeds United pay and they should, they should really, you know, enjoy the moment because it's very special. Now, Leeds fans though, I, I, I get the sense that normally we're talking in the last 16 years when they've been trying to get back into top flight football, they're pretty happy to go out at this stage in the competition, but let's, I can't see a world where they get relegated now, right? So, you know, they're not going to go higher than 10th. You really don't think they're going to go any lower than 17th. So a nice, decent cup run would sort of, you know, tick off a pretty good season for them back in the Premier League. So I sort of get their frustration because also it's a decent team they brought out. Like When you look at it, you're like, come on, Casilla in goals. Like he's got to be doing better than 3-0. Yeah, he, he, listen, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan anyway. I don't think he's particularly that great a goalkeeper. I think he's done okay for Leeds United at times. Um, I thought on the weekend, he, he, he let in a couple of uh, poor, poor goals. Um, mm. But then the team, were, the, poor, the team were poor. You know, they, they lacked any intensity. A, a Leeds United team that you normally expect to see that are on the front foot and they, you know, mm. they, they absolutely go at the opposition and they try and prevent them playing out. You know, they were disjointed. They, they know, they're nowhere near played anywhere their, their best. Um, and, you know, Crawley Town were, were very positive on the front foot, took the game by the scruff of the net, took their chances and deserved to win the game. It's a shame that Big Harry Kill's not managing Crawley. It is. Yeah, it is. But you know what? Would have been good. 
at least he's at least he's back in the in in the business of management, and he's yeah. Oldham Athletic and doing a pretty good job there. Um, but back to Leeds United, I'm I'm sure there'll be a lot of Leeds fans that'll be very disappointed and upset about their loss. But there'll be also quite a few of them will be kind of, you know, okay, we can accept that so long as we kick on now in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, Leeds United have been a source of frustration at times because you watch them in the Premier League, particularly early on, and you go, this team is brilliant. This is such an entertaining, uh, you know, entertaining team. Football has been brilliant. The way that they've just shown no fear, they've gone at teams. Um, but it's kind of died off a little bit. And, mm. you know, again, they play such at a high intensity every game that they play, having one less fixture or competition to worry about will be a blessing in disguise for them. They need to make sure that they now make the most of the Premier League and, and, and make sure they are assured. And what they can't do is think that, that they're, they're safe, that they're going to stay in. They've got to get the points on the board sooner rather than later. And then once you get to that 40-point mark, the sooner you do it, the sooner you start building upon that and working your way further up the table. And if Leeds United were to get to 40 points pretty quickly, then they could easily finish that top half of the table because of momentum alone. But if they stutter along the way, it could be a real long second half of this season. One last game I want to talk about in the FA Cup was Spurs at Marine. Now, I will put my hand up. I've never heard of them. <laughs> never heard of them. Um, there's, they've got a one big celebrity fan, though. Do you know who that would be? Um, no, I don't, actually. Adele. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, I, all I can think of Marine right now is just something from, that came over from the weekend was obviously not, not the fact that if you knock the ball over the back garden of someone, one of the, one of the, um, the residents that live by that there's a board, there's a, there's a thing, a list on the wall or something like that to tell you which door you need to go and knock on, which is quality. Sensational. Yeah, absolutely, quality. Um, is that Michael Owen's comments that if you're a substitute on the bench for Marine, you're a submarine? Submarine, yeah. I mean, that does that not have Schwartzy written all over it? As soon as I saw it, it's kind good. of a dad's joke, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. So it good. Joke, uh, another, I saw a great um, photo. I think uh, Gareth Bale ended up retweeting it of a guy watching the game from his bedroom window. And he just took a picture and goes, I'm looking at Gareth Bale from my bedroom window. This is insanity. Like, yeah. how cool is that? But you know that that that's the credit to has to go towards Tottenham and Jose Mourinho because Jose Mourinho yeah. what he what he never does is underestimate an opponent he never no. disrespects an opponent and and I think even more so when he's playing a far inferior opponent he gives yeah. them the utmost respect and it goes to show the seriousness of which he he took to this game you know the, the players that he put out there. And the way that he made sure his players were up for the game, because it's a tricky fixture. Yes, on paper, totally. you know, Tottenham should win this game hands down. But it's the environment, it's the, the surroundings. You know, you saw the pictures of that game, the stadium. Yeah. Some of these guys could have easily have gone there and gone, what am I doing here? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I play in the Premier League, I played internationals and I do all this and I'm playing in basically people's back garden. Brilliant. Um, which is... The beauty of the FA Cup, which I'm sure I'll say in another time, another couple of times on this on this on this uh, show today, it's magic. It's absolutely yeah. magical, and I would have loved to have played in that game because it's just it reminds you as a kid growing up, you know what it was like to first play football and and the excitement that you got. And and again, I'll say it again, and I won't, and I'll probably say it again in the show <laughs> is that the fact that there were no fans there, what a shame, yeah. because that that being a packed house. Can you imagine 
people mm. in their back gardens. It would have been like, you know, people had probably had barbecues in his back garden and watching the game. That was mm. the middle of winter, who cares? It just would have been insane to have watched. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gegen Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, The Gegen Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds as I just take a nice sip of my beautiful Del Diablo Merlot. Um, I saw... um, this morning, I missed it last night, mate. But did you see Matt, Matty Ryan on Instagram at all? I did, yes. Posting praise for his fellow teammate in steel after he made four saves in the penalty shootout in the FA did Cup against Newport. Did you see his saves? I, yeah, I did. I did. Wow. What did you think of them? Oh, brilliant. Unbelievable, Jason right? Steele was a young kid coming through at, uh, at Middlesbrough when I was still there. And I remember the goalkeeping coach at the time, Stephen Pears, um, he was kind of his prodigal son. I used to call him, I used to call it his, his son, right? So I used to say, oh, you know, it's your love child or whatever it is, you know, having a bit of a joke with him. And because he always, wherever, wherever Stephen Pears went, Jason Steele would be very close behind him. He was like literally following him around like a lost puppy. So, and, and he said one day, this guy's going to be, the next, he's, he's going to be the next Paul Robinson because Paul Robinson at the time was the number one for England. Yeah. Anyway, and then once Jason got to an age where he was able to drive, he turned up to the training ground and on his number plate on his car, he yeah. had Borough number one. No. I, oh, I'm telling no. you. So he was like, I don't know, what, 17 years old or whatever it was, 18 years old? And he had <laughs> Borough number one on his number plate. And, and, and people come up to me going, have you just seen what he's coming? Have you seen his number plate? And I said, no, no, what is it? And they told me, and I just laughed. And they go, are you not, are you not like upset with that? And I go, I don't care about personalized number plates. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you can dream as long as you want, mate. Well done. Have a dream about it. There's no chance he's going to play ahead of me. And that was it. You, you should have got borrow number two on your oh, card. That, now that's what you should have done. I know. That's... You know, listen, uh, back to <laughs> Jason's full performance in the penalty shootout. Listen, four fantastic saves, I have to say. You've got to give credit when credit's due. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant saves. Um, what a penalty shootout. Uh, I think it was uh, King in goal for, um, uh, for Newport County. He saved two penalties. And, the boys were on. Yeah. And, and uh, Brighton, one of the Brighton players, hit the post on another one. So they missed three, Brighton, and Newport County had four saves. So I feel for King the goalkeeper of Newport County, the fact that he saved two penalties in a penalty shootout and still was on the losing side, that's not great, is it either? No, no, it's not at all. Uh, Mark, it's time to just swap out our our Merlots uh, and bring in some vice beers. I'm going to just get my Stein and and my pretzel because it's time for a Bundesliga update. Uh, It's been a while since we've we've gone out uh, to Deutschland uh, and there's been two things I need to talk about that we need to touch on. Haaland, 25 goals, 25 appearances in the Bundesliga. He's a freak. He is a freak. I, I can't and, believe you started with Haaland. No, I'm saving the best to last. Yeah. Come on. All right, all right. Yeah, Haaland, listen, phenomenal. Let's just get, all right, let's get, no, let's no, no, roll no, through no, Haaland quickly. That. No, we'll start with Haaland, phenomenal. And yeah. you know what the thing about Haaland is? Not only is he a goal machine, right? Not only is he phenomenal in goal. He, he's contribution to the team, other elements of the team, the way he... he he works the way he wins the ball and, you know, he breaks the opposition down. He tries to win the ball back really quickly. He sets up players the way he actually even starts play. I mean, if you see his first goal uh, on the weekend against RB Leipzig, 
He he's dribbling in like into the into the Leipzig's half. He takes on about four or five players, weaves and darts and weaves around them, keeps possession, plays the ball out wide to Jaden Sancho. Then at that moment, he makes the run to the far post. Sancho whips in a great ball. Haaland's on the end of it. Header at the far post. You know, phenomenal. Okay, his second goal was a tap-in. But his contribution is phenomenal. Um, he's already seen as a real leader of that Dortmund side. He's been there for a short period of time. He's a young player. He's like 20 years old. You know, they've got uh, Marco Royce on the side, Julian Brunt, uh, Hummels, Matt Hummels at the back. You know, real season internationals, World Cup winners, you know, Bundesliga winners. You've got, uh, you got Haaland there, who's not won anything of any, any kind of note at the moment, but what a talented player he is and what amount of, how, how important he has been and what a signing he's been for Borussia Dortmund. Insane. Okay, so let's move on to what we're all here for. Um, there was something that came out of Germany that, uh, I mean, clearly by your itchy fingers that you had just before, desperate to talk about Schalke, who have broken their horrible losing streak. They've won 4-0 against Hoffenheim, which means as I just take my beanie off, I'm going to put on my Tasmania <laughs> Berlin hat because our <laughs> awful record continues as my boys. Tasmania <laughs> Berlin. And they were desperate to keep hold of it, weren't they, Tasmania, yeah. Berlin? Absolutely insane. I mean, phew, where do you even start? I mean, Schalke, I, I thought for, for all money would have been on them to break the record, at the very least equal the record. Because obviously they'd lost in the weekend, they would have equaled the record. They're, th- they're going 30 games without winning in the Bundesliga. They went up in an, over an entire calendar year without winning a single game in the Bundesliga, which is just horrendous. The fact that they sat up last season, was was insane. I mean, it, the, the, it's back, it was based on the fact that they started the, the the season so well under David Wagner. They were in the top five up to sort of like around the Christmas period of time, and it wasn't until after the Christmas period and then the break happened and COVID they went on this. Yeah. They spiraled out of control, um, and they continue to spiral out of control. Financial problems, huge, huge financial issues. Uh, one of their best players, Weston McKinney, they loan him out. They didn't even sell him. They loan him out to Juventus goes to show you how much of a problem they've had financially. They've had internal fighting. They've had issues with players' discipline. Um, Ibisevic signed from Hauta Berlin in, in the summer, didn't play a single game and had massive falling outs. And, and basically they cancelled his contract and he was able to leave the club. Um, what could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. They, they've sacked, since David Wagner, they sacked another manager. I mean, from what I hear, they're paying exorbitant amount of money on two managers they just recently sacked that they, they haven't been able to pay off because they haven't got the money. They're paying them off at the moment monthly, their salaries. So massive, you know, I mean, huge. And 4 nil too as well, just quietly. A good, What's that? good, a good 4 nil, like a good four win. Nil. They, played, they, played, they played against Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim have lost four out of their last five games. So they, again, another team that started well. They beat Bayern Munich early on in the season. They were flying. Uh, Ex-teammate of mine, Andre Kremovic, uh, is their star performer, leading goal scorer in the Bundesliga for Hoffenheim in their history of the club. So, you know, he's been, been brilliant for them. But they've, they've hit a brick wall and they're, they're spiring down towards the relegation positions. But huge, huge performance. And, of course, Matthew Hoppe, the, the American. Um, young, young kid. They, they speak very, very highly of him. He's 19 years old. Scored a hat-trick. So... Pretty insane. Amer- I mean, listen, USA. What a, a pumping them out, aren't they? Talented young players that are coming through. Absolutely brilliant. 
And uh, maybe Australia needs to look a little bit that way and see what's going on. It's a shame for them that Davies was a Canadian born, not uh, if he was just slightly more south of the border. That'd be a serious team. Imagine that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, German football, Mark, um, tonight, uh, so Greenwich meantime, there's going to be a live question and answer sh- session with one Mesut Ozil. Hashtag ask Mesut. Now, I wanted to put this to you, and I'm, I'm going to actually tweet these after. I want you to ask three questions to Mesut. What, what would you like me to, to ask him? Any three questions to Mesut Ozil? I should also say he said in the description he wants to talk about the past, the present, and the future. So it seems like nothing's off topic. Where did it all go wrong at Arsenal? Where, yeah. where does he think it all went wrong at Arsenal? I like the he, yep. Does he understand why people would question his commitment to the team when he was playing? And then one more. And does he believe that he could come into this Arsenal side and make a difference? Do you think he could? I think he could, you know. You look at some of the... Not so much... If if we were to do this sort of pre the last five games, you know, because Arsenal have been a lot better. They lacked that um, just creativity. It felt like it just there was you know no yeah, goals. I don't think Arsenal necessarily. Yeah, they did definitely lose. They they lost. Oh, sorry, they lacked creativity prior to the last four or five games. Right. So the other question was they also lacked commitment and intent and you know like the, the, the I suppose the the aggressive nature of the game. They lacked um, commitment. Right. Mm. So, of those things that I've just said, are there not quite a num- high number of those, those, those words that I just used that would be questionable about Mesut Ozil, what people have questioned mm. in his character and his makeup over the years? Yeah. Commitment, <laughs> you know, desire, um, you know, I suppose, uh, aggressiveness. He doesn't have that. Yeah. Commitment to the side. You know, his aggressiveness on the pitch. Where, where, so the, your first question here, where does he think it all went wrong at Arsenal? Where do you think? Was it when he signed his new contract? Was it midway through easy. Emery's reign? I, I think it, it's too easy to, to point your finger at when he signed a new contract and he's kind of like stopped playing. I don't think Mesut Ozil changed one bit no. when, he, when he signed his contract. I, I think it was exactly the same Mesut Ozil. I think the, the, the signing of the contract, I don't begrudge Mesut Ozil one, for one second about signing a new contract. That's Arsenal's fault. Mm. That's the people who were at Arsenal in charge of Arsenal that signed Mesut Ozil on that contract. It's very easy afterwards when things don't go well to point the finger and go, he's on 250 grand a week and it's his fault and, and it's a joke that he's on that much money and, and what has he delivered? It's too easy to say that, right? Because... Nobody held a gun to his head and said, you have to sign this contract worth 250 grand. The club have to no. agree. The club also believed that he was worth that. He was that, had that much value. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction, the fact they lost Sanchez. Sanchez said, no, nah, I'm not signing. And basically, he was saying, you have to sell me. Otherwise, I'm walking out in the season for free. So they did. Mm-hmm. They sold him. And what a, what a dodge of a bullet that was, right? So what could have happened was they could have had two players on that mm-hmm. sort of wage still at the club and probably not playing. Could you and Aubameyang wouldn't have been there either because obviously the money raised through Sanchez, you know, went That's to that. right. Absolutely. So 
where would Arsenal fans, how do Arsenal fans feel about it? They're much happier where they are right now with the fact that, that mm. Sanchez left and they've got Aubameyang. Okay. Is history repeating, repeating itself with Aubameyang? I don't think Settle so. down, settle down. No, but I don't think it will. I don't think it <laughs> no. will. Aubameyang's a different type of player. And there's no doubt for me that, that you know, he's already shown. He started scoring again. He, he is committed. His work rate, I don't think, is necessarily questioned. Yeah, on the odd occasion, you could say, did he work hard enough today? He wasn't on his game. But that goes with every single player. But in general, I, I think you know. I think he's a he's a top top class striker and a top and he's a top player. Um, Mesut Ozil, I think, I think the mentality, the idea of the way they want to play football has evolved and gone beyond Mesut Ozil at the club. And and the reason I say that is so the very basis of how uh, Arteta wants to play, Emery wanted to play high high intensity closing teams down from the front, which you have to do. Any team has to do these days. Even the lowest teams in the league have to work together and have to close down and you can't have any passengers. Yep. And too often, Mesut or the way he plays his game is a passenger. He's not, his work rate is not enough. And I don't think, at, and then what actually happened was maybe the fact that he was criticised for not contributing in that aspect of his game, the other aspect of his game then suffered. And he was no longer, not only was he not contributing in, 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 in closing the opportunities down and trying to win the ball back, but working as a team, but then the creative side of the game went because mm. he wasn't contributing on that aspect anymore. So therefore, you're carrying a player. And with Mikel Arteta, when he first went to the club, I think, I mean, my understanding is that Mesut Ozil started from scratch again. Mm. And he had an opportunity to prove his worth and his value to the side. And Mesut Ozil... I think Mikel Arteta on, on observation and training saw that it wasn't a player that was going to be able to play at the level that he wanted to play at in terms of work rate, commitment to the side, helping back out in defense, keeping in shape, sticking with a player if he needed to in defense, you know, playing his part. Mm. So therefore he finds himself on the other again. So what do you do? Do you start to go, well, it can't be the manager's fault. Uh, sorry. It can't be the player's fault. It's the managers. Well, they've had, they've had three managers. Yeah, and Arsene Wenger was the only one that stuck with him, and that was possibly even detrimental to Arsene Wenger in the end, because Mesut Ozil let Definitely. Arsene Wenger down on, on 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 many occasions as well. But that's all we've got time for here on the Two Shot Reds. Good episode. Yeah, it's great. I thought, I, if I'm I might saying so myself. Yeah, listen, someone has to say it, so why not be you? You know what? Sometimes it's nice just to, just the two of us. You know, the last couple of weeks we've had many yeah. guests on. It's been fantastic, very insightful, very interesting. Some unbelievable stories, some unbelievable journeys for for some of the guys that we spoke to recently. So it's nice, also, just you and I, you and I, to have go, a chat. Yep. Um, talk about go back to our roots. Go back know. to our roots. Have a bit of a catch up. Um, yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and it allows you to try and be a little bit more creative. I agree. Because the last agree. couple of weeks, you've kind of. You've kind of almost been on, you've been on paid leave almost, haven't you? <laughs> it's a paid leave, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Well, I don't want to get, you know, you guys are, because you pick who comes on, you know, you reach out, which is fair enough. So there's already an assumed connection there that I don't want to get in the middle of. So no, I just want to sit I back and, you know. That and I appreciate that and I respect that, right? But you know what? You, you can't always be that shy boy in the room, mate. Sometimes you've got to step up and, you know, be a little bit more, uh, open and a little bit more, uh, you know, have a bit more, let's say, just a bit more spunk about me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so I need to be less like your shy Chilean wine that you had last week and more like your, your Portuguese red today, which is more of the approachable wine. Absolutely. I think you Good could segue. learn a lot from this bottle of red wine. Go on. Yeah, I, I really do. I think you should, you can learn a hell of a lot from this one. It's juicy. It's jammy. It's chock full of ripe forest fruit flavors, you know, which I think you are pretty fruity. Let's be yep. honest. Um, and I think you're more approachable the more you know you. But yep. from afar, from the beginning, you're, you're quite, you're quite uh, reserved. Really? Yeah, a little bit more standoffish. Interesting. Um, I think you're very sensitive as well. Yeah, so um, like I was saying, I think you're, you know, you're also a bit of a, a new age guy, a bit sensitive. Yep. Um, and, uh, but once you get to know you, um, I think you're, you're definitely a lot more approachable. And so are you this, comparing this wine to me, are you? Is this what's happening? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of was a little bit then. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to use it. You, I mean, I really, listen, to be perfectly honest with you, I should dedicate this wine to you because it reminded me of you straight away. Um, so nice yeah, I'm going to dedicate, dedicate this wine to you. Um, chocolate forest yeah. fruity flavors, which I said already, you're fruity. Yeah. Uh, you are approachable. Um, and you're just too easy at times. You're too easy. Yeah. <laughs> in what context yeah exactly i just leave that open to the imagination um and this is this is a, this is a drink at home on the sofa at yeah. a party oh god wouldn't we wish for a party how much would yeah. we give to be able to have a party these days have a thomas absolutely oh jesus um or alongside a hearty casserole this wine is perfect for any situation so and 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 i think that pretty much sums up you at this moment in time um uh, now, that is beautiful words there, Mark. And I also never thought, um, <clears throat> you know, when we do the comparisons, I never thought we'd ever compare a bottle of wine to Tilford Zebra's unbelievable winger from the years <laughs> 2008 to 2011. Some of the great assists. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's brilliant to see. And, and th- I really appreciate that. Really do. So I've gone for the Del, Del Diablo Merlot, which we you know, addressed at the start. Pretty basic wine, good wine. Um, certainly not going to win too many awards. Not going to write home about it, but it is reliable, trustworthy, and just a really good wine. Um, smooth, medium-bodied, exciting flavours, and aromas that bring out the best in whichever food you've paired it with. Okay. So the words there, nice and smooth, this player... Not so much smooth personality, but smooth in his style. Likes to, when he's on the ball, glides. You know, he's very smooth. Now, medium-bodied, I'd say small-bodied, really, but medium in terms of, you know, compared to a, a tall fella. I've actually met this guy, and I've got, I want to say, five centimetres on him, which is pretty, saying something. Very exciting, though. The exciting flavours. Very exciting flavours. And the aromas that bring out the best in the food, I want to say with that, he brings out the best in some of the people that he's around. So I don't think he necessarily gets some of the plaudits that I think he probably deserves. Um, But he does like to bring out the best in the people that are around him. So I've gone for Manchester City's Bernardo Silva. Oh, yes, he is. He's a bit of a... um, Vertically challenged. Yeah. Just tiny figure. Um, very intelligent guy speaks, I think six or seven languages. He's, um, speaks English really, really well. Um, adapted very, very quickly. I think he's, I think he's a really good player and I'm surprised. I mean, he's getting a bit more of a run in the team now. He kind of gets run in the team. He does really well. And then all of a sudden he gets rotated then finds himself on the outer again. Really strange how Pep Guardiola deals with him actually. Maybe he's a case of, he's one of those players that, not that he's happy to be out of the team, but 
he kind of probably doesn't give him any grief, Guardiola. Mm. And so therefore, he's an easy one to turn to if you need to substitute him, leave him out of the team because you want to bring in another player that maybe is a little bit more delicate to deal with. He's very lovely, so I can't imagine he'd, he'd ever pipe up too much. And you'll like this. He's got family in Adelaide, of all places. Has he? There you go. Pretty interesting. Bizarre. He, brought, he just yeah. brought that up and he said, yeah, I'll, I want to go there and surf on he- down at Henley Beach. <laughs> How does Bernardo out. Silva know what Henley Beach is? Just tell him to watch out for the, uh, the Great Whites. Yeah, I think it's uh, that would be a post-football sort of operation, I think. Uh, good stuff there, Mark. Well, would you like to do your outro? Okay, if I must. All right, then. Jeez. I mean, I, like, I carried the show the last three or four weeks. Ca- ca- carried. You're going to go with carried? Yes, I carried the show. Let's be honest. Carried. Not, okay. Carry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, listen, it's been great fun. Great catch up. You and I, for first time in some time now, very much of a shame we still can't catch up and won't be doing so in the f- foreseeable future. However, very much enjoyed it. Um, and it's a first. I dedicated my wine to you. Um, so you've got to feel pretty happy about that. Well, I've always wanted to compare one to you. I'm just too scared. So now that we, <laughs> we've broken the mold now and I feel yeah, I've broken the comfortable. Ice. Yeah, yeah, All, yeah. The gloves are off and every opportunity for you in the future at some time. But don't do it next week because that would be too predictable, all right? Yeah, oh, no, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll sleep so, on it. And, and also, don't worry. It's going to be good. good. Like, it's yeah. not going to be, you know. Well, listen, you don't, have to, I mean, you don't have to try and suck up to me now, mate. No. no, no save no. all that, right? I'm not going to say that the wine's going to struggle, you know, kicking the ball. I'm not going to say oh, that. that. I'm not going to say that the, the, the players can't clear. You know, it's, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Ouch. You know, you can go off someone really quickly. And actually, you remember that I just dedicated you that bottle of wine? Yeah. You know what? Sod yeah. off. <laughs> On that note, cheers, Mark. Cheers, mate. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.